What's up guys? My name is Mateo. Welcome back. We've got another video for you today. So I've been doing a lot of research on this stuff and it's crazy. The more research you do on Monero, the more you realize just how beautiful this wonderful project is. I mean, when you really scratch into the surface and the depths of the tech behind Monero, it really is just astonishing that people came up with this stuff. I mean, this is going to be like the eighth wonder of the world. And if you haven't looked into it, you got to look into it. You got to understand the tech because if you think it's just like privacy and that's the only thing about Monero, I think you'll miss a lot of good stuff. You know, it's very scalable. The transactions are incredibly efficient. And I just learned something the other day where if it gets up to a certain limit as far as the volume of transactions, that triggers something called dynamic block size. And when that happens, the cost of transactions could actually go down, which is just mind blowing. It's like, this is too good to be true, but it's but it is according to the tech. And we'll have some of the people on who are experts in regards to that. I think our Arctic Titan or something like that is the name of one of the guys who is in on the project who specializes in that particular area. So we'll go talk to him. But we have a video here for you guys today about what a lot of the heavy hitters think about Monero. So we've got Michael Saylor, who you guys know I'm not a huge fan of. I think he is the antichrist of crypto, even though he, everybody thinks he's Saylor the savior. And I have many reasons for this. Go check out my video on the Bitcoin black pill. There's a particular segment in there that I talk about Michael Saylor's glorification of the U.S. dollar and how he wants to have the U.S. dollar spread to the world using the Bitcoin rails, which is not at all I think what Satoshi and the anarcho-capitalist apostles of Bitcoin really wanted for Bitcoin, but he wants that to be the case. And uh, we're not big fans of that, or at least I'm not anyways. I'm not going to speak for everybody in regards to that because I know a lot of people in the Monero community uh, are still big on Bitcoin, and I get that. Uh, but I, I think that if you want to store a value, you either go gold or silver and Monero. I mean, I think we'll get to this with John McAfee. He is kind of in the same camp as me as this. Uh, if a store of value is something that you're going to be using for uh, something which is valuable. And if there is another currency out there, which is more private, which has cheaper transaction fees, uh, which a lot of people are accepting when they're not even accepting Bitcoin, as we talked about in our last video, I think that it's not actually that great of a store of value. Uh, actually, it's just... It doesn't make sense to me. If you guys have a different perspective on it, please leave a comment. I'd like to know what you think in regards to that. Uh, it just, I, I think it's a bad argument. And I think it's a cope for a lot of people who got into Bitcoin thinking it was going to be the digital cash of the world. It ended up not being the case because they didn't adjust the block size. And now they kind of have to hold on to this thing. But it's the first to market. So everybody knows Bitcoin as the cryptocurrency to get into. And so it's just like a way to a wave to ride. And the store value thing, I mean, it makes sense as long as it goes up. But if it doesn't, it doesn't make that much sense. Whereas with Monero, uh, it, it doesn't really matter that much because you're using it to actually transact. And you're, you're not in it for the gains. You're in it to actually facilitate transactions with other people for goods and services. Um, so those are just some thoughts on it. I know that some people have some uh, comments as to the Lightning Network and some things like that. We'll get to that another time. But... Sorry, my ADD, I just need to chill out a little bit. Whenever I eat, especially when I drink G uh, sweet tea, which, by the way, Zaxby's has unbelievable sweet tea. They pay me nothing to say that, but it really is good. Um, but, yeah, we're going to go to Max Kaiser, Andres Antonopoulos, John McAfee, and uh, Roger Ver. We've got a great lineup. You'll get to see what they think about Monero, and we'll provide some arguments 
to them as to why they should love Monero more than their particular pet peeve project. So let's get started. But what about those people where convenience isn't the m number one requirement? Con and sorry, just to say something quick. Peter McCormick, he is a podcaster and he interviews a lot of Bitcoin people. He did an interview with Doug on Monero Talk. I definitely go check that out because that'll give you a pretty bullish case for Monero. Let me just tell you that. They want to buy something illicit or something our government you know, wouldn't look too kindly upon. Or they just want general privacy, you know, maybe in people living in authoritarian regimes. What about that scenario? We still need to think about those people, right? If somebody wants privacy and they really feel strongly about it, then maybe you need a Monero, you need something like that. And, and if so, the market will determine that. If Bitcoin diverted all of their energy to make itself private and became known as a network of complete and utter privacy, it probably is counterproductive to its own interest. Because you don't want the United States government to say, Bitcoin is completely private. There, there's no way you're going to get a hundred trillion dollars to flow. Again with Michael, it's just all about the gains. It's all about how much money is going to go into Bitcoin. And, you know, this is one of my main problems with the entire community as it is. It's just people want gains more than they want freedom, it seems like. Now, Anthony Pompliano, I think he's a different case. Uh, I think he hypes the gains a lot just to get people into Bitcoin. I think he actively believes that Bitcoin is the way to freedom, as do a lot of people in the Bitcoin community. With Michael Gain, I just don't – with Michael Saylor, I just don't know. I should call him Michael Gain, shouldn't I? I just don't think that he is so on board with the vision that a lot of people in the cryptosphere have about what it could do for the world, what it could do for people's liberty, what it could do for people's freedom and their uh, – just the lives that they could live if they had free money and not the Sandersonian Yangian type of free money with socialism and stuff like that, but with freedom, with nobody censoring your payments, with nobody saying that, no, you can't have this money, as we saw with somebody that we did a video about a couple days ago saying, no, you're not allowed to bank. You're not allowed to have these funds. We're just going to have it taken from you. And that is something that can happen with a lot of these surveillance coins, but people will support them if they think that institutional funds are going to invest, and that's one of the reasons they don't get into Monero, because it has a bad rap for being this privacy coin. Ooh, scary. When cash, the U.S. dollar, in the form of cash, is used for a lot of black market activity too, but nobody really mentions that. Half the bills that you get, I think more than half, well more than half, have traces of cocaine on them. and They've probably been in some other rather, uh, you know, uh, red bubbly places, you know, if I could put it that way. And we don't uh, say anything in regards to that, but, you know, that's the uh, vision people have about Monero, and so that's going to hamper institutional adoption. But my whole thing is, like, who cares? Who cares? We use it anyway because it's the real deal. It's an actual currency. Who cares what the government thinks about it? They haven't banned it yet. Uh, let's, let's get into it anyway. And the real stuff, the light always shines through the darkness, ladies and, de and gentlemen. The real stuff always makes it through. The truth always comes out. And no matter what people think about it, it's going to become a thing because it is real. Bitcoin, I don't think is real. It's not real money. Uh, maybe it's limited. That's great. But at the end of the day, it's not fungible. And it could be tracked. It could be traced. And that puts a lot of people at risk. And uh, that's that's 
that's not great. We want the best cryptocurrency to make it to the top for the sake of the world and for the sake of human freedom. So those are just some of my comments on that. Let's not obsess over the gains. Let's really concern ourselves with the potential for a free, wonderful society. Flow into Bitcoin. If its use case is directly against the, the interest of a government that is within, right? So you don't want to be that good. If somebody wants privacy, maybe you need a Monero. Monero, it's that good. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Love it. So it's that good. And it, that's kind of like a beta thing to say, right? Like it's too good. And the governments aren't going to like it, which means I'm not going to get my gains. Like beta. You know my position on that. So Max Kaiser, let's go to Max Kaiser. The future is only in Bitcoin and Monero. So he's halfway there. <laughs> and I, I get it. <laughs> People are thinking that. I, I was actually corresponding with uh, that guy I had mentioned earlier who was talking about the adaptive uh, block sizes on Reddit. And let me just read to you what he said. In regards to Bitcoin and Monero, I think you guys are going to be fascinated by this. It's such a fascinating space. Um, so this is what Arctic Mine had to say about this. So I had asked the question, can Bitcoin's fungibility be, amend be amended? Uh, I've been taking another deep dive. I was listening to a talk by Andres A., which we'll get to here. And he suggested that layered protocols can be used to fix Bitcoin's fungibility problem. As I understand, if privacy isn't prioritized on the base layer, the currency is fundamentally flawed in regards to fungibility. What are your thoughts regarding this? And Arctic Mine, he responded, he said, uh, so one possibility, but not a first layer solution, is atomic swaps with Monero and Taproot. The fundamental problem with this approach I see is the lack of scaling on Bitcoin's layer, one blockchain, so the fee on Bitcoin, on the Bitcoin side, could be very, very large. And that's true, especially if transactions pick up. And if you were to use these atomic swaps, you're not going to be able to use the Lightning Network, as far as I understand, because you're going to be inside these multi-sig addresses. And so you're going to be, you're going to need to do it on the base layer if you're going to want to atomic swap into other currencies. If I understand this right, and if I'm not, if I'm not right, please let me know in the comments. But uh, that's what he said. And so I responded. I said, thank you. I was actually listening to you comment about this with Monero Talk last night. Go watch that interview. It's very informative. Uh, I learned a lot. This being the case, though, I'm not sure if I would understand the reason for using Bitcoin. It would seem superfluous. It seems to me like Bitcoin would itself become a mere intermediary like the banks it was seeking to make obsolete, an Arctic mine. And he's part of the uh, Monero core team. This guy knows his stuff. He says, you're right. One ends up questioning why the use of Bitcoin in the first place. So it becomes more like a transitional stage until there are more Monero fiat pairs. And guys, that's so key. We talked about this before where, um, well, you can go into that. I, I talked about that a lot in my, uh, I've done so many videos recently, I can't remember. I'll link it somewhere up there. But we talked about uh, fiat pairs with Monero and the liquidity pools that will explode if you're able to, uh, atomically swap your central bank digital currency or some of these other central bank digital currencies, these digital fiat currencies for Monero. That's going to be huge, absolutely huge, because it's going to allow people to wash out their money 
and do stuff like that, which we'll see the legality of into the future, but that is going to be a thing. So Max Kaiser here, back to the article, is known as an ardent supporter of Bitcoin. It's a symbol of global revolution. It creates a qualitatively new world, so he's uh, hyping it up, which is... uh, Something Max Kaiser does. I, I like Max Kaiser. I think he's great. He's very entertaining. Uh, I like the Kaiser Report. I've learned a lot from it. Now the presenter believes that in addition to Bitcoin, the Monero coin will be able to occupy a dominant position in the crypto sphere thanks to the implemented system for ensuring the confidentiality of transactions. Kaiser stressed, I do not know how Bitcoin will cope with this competition. Because the competition is better than Bitcoin. Monero is better than Bitcoin. Like, you guys need to get this if you're a Bitcoin maximalist or if you're just somebody who maybe has a bigger allocation into Bitcoin than Monero. Uh, just understand that Bitcoin is a bubble relative to Monero. It is a bubble. Like, Monero should be valued what Bitcoin is and Bitcoin should be valued what Monero is. If you want to know my personal opinion, this is not investment advice, but um, Monero is better. It's absolutely better. And it's more fungible, it's more private, it's more scalable, the transaction fees are less, you could build on top of it, which you can't really do with uh, Bitcoin. Like, seriously, Monero is freaking awesome. Uh, But if it does, then all of the confidential coins, only Monero will lead. I don't know about that. There are some other great competitive uh, confidential coins, which have come out into the marketplace. Check out Pirate Chain, Darrow, Haven. Those are my top three other alt confidential coins, if you want to call them that. And uh, yeah, they're great. I've looked into those a little bit. If you guys have any comments as to those, let me know what you think. In fact, we will have a system in which Bitcoin and Monero will act as the leading cryptocurrencies. Interesting comments, interesting comments. At the same time, Max Kaiser notes that Bitcoin will remain out of competition anyway and will remain the status of digital gold. You guys know what I think about that. And Monero will only help to improve Bitcoin's technology. And maybe Monero will help improve Bitcoin's technology because Bitcoin is going to try to become increasingly like Monero. And as we'll see with Antonopoulos's arguments, Bitcoin with second layered solutions, as we talked about with Arctic Titus, uh, or sorry, Titus, I, Arctic guy. Yeah, that guy. He uh, is trying to make the case that through layer two solutions and some of these soft fork upgrades, it can become private enough and therefore fungible enough. But ultimately our argument in the Monero community is that if it's not private on the base layer, then it's not fungible. It fundamentally just isn't fungible because privacy in many cases becomes optional as is the case with Zcash, as is the case with Dash. And therefore it's going to be able to be seen if you're engaging in private transactions, right? And so, Question marks are going to pop up. Why is that transaction private when this one isn't? What are you doing here? And so that creates some problems, right? So let's go to Adam back. And this is a bit of a longer video. I'll try to speed up the speed so that we can get through this. But uh, he said some pretty interesting things about Bitcoin, which makes you think that maybe he likes Monero. But he is part of the Blockstream team. We talked about uh, Adam back a little bit in regards to the Bitcoin black pill video. Uh the jury is still out on him. I don't know where he stands with a lot of stuff. I don't know if he's Satoshi Nakamoto. I'm not going to get into all that. But uh, let's listen to what he has to say about the fungibility problem with Bitcoin, which really is a key problem, folks. Uh, let's start. So uh, what does fungibility mean? So Bitcoin is like cash. It's immediate and final payment. So that, at least that's the hope. But you know, maybe 
So to add a bit more nuance there, so uh, let's start. So uh, what does fungibility mean? So Bitcoin is like cash. It's immediate and final payment. So that, at least that's the hope. But you know, maybe, so to add a bit more nuance there, you, you may have to wait for a few confirmations, or maybe you know it happens in one confirmation. But generally, once you receive a Bitcoin, you have a Bitcoin, and that's final. And so even, you know, even with banks and PayPal, who sometimes shut down accounts for trivial reasons or even for no reason at all, um, it's typically not the case that if somebody who sent you money, so if you, if you were selling something on eBay and somebody bought an item from you and that that person had their account shut down, the money that you received would not be removed from your PayPal wallet. And yet this kind of effect that people multiple hops remove from you who are sending you Bitcoins, if they are associated with some trade on Silk Road or something like that, it turns out that some of the exchanges and hosted wallets are using sort of chain tracing services and up to four hops deep away from you, if something is associated with the Silk Road, they will freeze your account and ask you to take your funds and your custom elsewhere. <laughs> so yeah, we've been through this on the channel. Like just, that's Adam Back. He's like the main Bitcoin guy telling you that you may not be able to cash out of your coins if a tainting service, which is a block shake, uh, block shake, oh goodness, am I still hungry? A blockchain forensics investigator, which through our videos, every single video that we do, we find a new blockchain uh, investigator getting onto the scene to run their algorithms to figure out everything that's on the blockchain. So if these guys figure out that your coins have been involved in illegal activity, uh, they may taint your coins. They may blacklist your coins. You may not be able to cash out of an exchange and nobody's going to want to have access to your coins. Your coins are going to be worth less than other people's coins, which ultimately means the entire system isn't fungible uh, and you're not going to be able to transact with other people, you're effectively going to be kicked out of the financial system. You, you might just have to make another wallet and start over or something. Um, and we've talked about Bitcoin mixers. I'll link the video over there. That's one uh, solution that people recommended for getting rid of taint. But we actually found out in that video, in many cases, you can get more tainted coins out of that than coins that you put in if only some of them were tainted and you were trying to wash all of them out because you're throwing it into a place that a lot of other people are throwing tainted coins into, and you could get some of those tainted coins back. So just some interesting things to consider there. This is interesting, right? So that, you know, if you look at it from this perspective, the reality is that for people using those services, fungibility in Bitcoin is actually worse than PayPal because other people's actions, which have got nothing to do with you, and you have essentially potentially no connection whatsoever with four hops away is a very long way away. I dare say, you know, potentially just about anybody with Bitcoins in their wallet who have done a few trades are within four hops of, you know, anybody in the Bitcoin ecosystem potentially. It's a very interconnected system, like the kind of social networking theory that you're 13 hops from anybody globally. In a Bitcoin network, it's a smaller collection of wallets. So PayPal doesn't freeze your funds if one of your customers' customers use Silk Road, and apparently this is going up to four hops within Bitcoin. So Yeah, that's, that's huge. That is absolutely huge. So, Another aspect of fungibility is that it's uh, you know, everybody needs fungibility, or in effect, nobody has it. So that's because correct because your lack of fungibility impacts everyone else. So fung correct fungibility costs are externalized. So if you're 
reusing addresses that reduces the fungibility of other people's coins. Um, and the usual kind of, you know, I have nothing to hide, so I don't care sort of attitude, which can be true on an individual basis, actually, uh, you know, degrades fungibility in Bitcoin generically and for everybody else. So that, you know, if the 90% of people who, you know, are just buying cups of coffee and don't have any particular privacy requirements take that attitude, there will be, you know, very little fungibility left for the remaining users who would like a bit of privacy. And that fungibility failure can leak into the system and affect everybody. Um, so Bitcoin being permissionless, so fungibility can infect permissionless effectively. So Bitcoin's permissionless is critical, is a critical feature, and um, you, need, you need fungibility basically for Bitcoin to function. If you receive coins and you can't spend them, you start to doubt whether it's safe to receive money, and if you, if you in a system which there does start to be doubt about coins you received, what people will tend to do is go to the taint tracing service and ask them, are the coins I received good? Do you bless them or not? And if they're not good, you'll send them back and refuse the trade. And so what that basically does is it transitions Bitcoin from a decentralized permissionless system into a central... And that introduces a lot of burdensome overhead, doesn't it? If you need to go to a taint tracing service every time that you receive a transaction to make sure there are no tainted coins coming your way, uh, that's going to slow down the already pretty slow transaction flow, uh, right? So those are just some things to think about. Centralized permission system. And another thing, if you receive or you're thinking about receiving Bitcoins and you have to worry about them being tainted to any degree, that might worry you if you're involved in some not good stuff. Now, we should all be involved in good stuff, but uh, just think about this, right? Like, so when you are... And I hope none of you are doing this, by the way. But if you're driving drunk on the road, you not only have to worry about you hitting somebody, but you have to worry about some other people hitting you because you're already in trouble for doing what it is you're doing. And if you're one of these people who may be trying to not have a lot of interaction with the system because maybe you have uh, some qualities that the system is actively against at this particular moment, like maybe you have certain political beliefs, religious beliefs or whatever, it may not actually be a bad thing, but it's considered bad by the people in power. If you receive tainted coins and these tracing services, these blockchain in investigators, excuse me, uh, are able to see those coins and then they can, as we went through in the other video, find your IP address, find your email address. They found the IP and email address of somebody who hacked a DeFi exchange for $611 million. They were able to figure out through something called under the chain tracing, off chain tracing. They're able to figure out his IP and his email. Now, he's probably going to get caught, but if they can figure out the same thing about you and you had received tainted Bitcoins, you could be falsely accused of something. Who knows? If they come after you, maybe they find other things. So those are just things to think about. Those are just things to think about. Basically, have an IOU from the blacklist providers. So obviously, we don't, we don't want this to happen. There's no permission. You know, if you don't have permission to transact, you don't have Bitcoin, essentially. And in the worst case... You know, if, if everybody has to go to a central service to check if their Bitcoins are valid or if they aren't, they have to sell them at a discount or that kind of thing, it's, this can eventually lead to a collapse and a loss of confidence. Um, so, and, and there are precedents within physical paper money as well. There are uh, court cases in the distant past where this kind of concept that for a money to be functional, it had to be fungible. And so unlike, you know, there, there are rules against receiving stolen property. If you unknowingly receive stolen property, like say a work of art or something, turns out it was stolen, you lose, you have to give it back. But with cash, paper money, 
that's not the case by law in most countries in the world. And this is yeah, there's an interesting uh, case in Europe in regards to that where somebody had received funds from somebody who stole the funds from somebody else or uh, they had gotten those funds by selling something that they had gotten in an ill-gotten way. And they gave those funds to somebody else, and the court ruled that the person that that person gave the funds to was able to keep those funds uh, because, again, the money is fungible, and it was an honest transaction that they got the money for. It had no effect on them. And so, yeah, because he's right. This issue that if, if you can't have confidence in receiving currency, then it impacts, you know, it makes the money non-functional, and it impacts the economy. So, as I was saying, the, the attacks of tank tracing is backwards looking. So it's not so much looking at who received the money, but looking backwards up to four hops, who was involved in sending the money somewhat probabilistically. Um, it's primarily focused on grouping transactions from individual or groups of senders or the UTXOs, who owns those in the past, spent UTXOs. And this is uh, in part, so there are a series of academic papers you can look up which, talk, which look at sort of network analysis and there are factors about the way Bitcoin is used that make this more effective and easier. So the fact that CoinJoin is not that frequently used, so most transactions, all the inputs come from a single owner, that tends to correlate multiple UTXOs as belonging to the same person. Address reuse is obviously bad and um, another type of uh, attack is uh, taint tracing, sorry, is network address so when somebody broadcasts a transaction, people will connect to many nodes in the network and try to identify the IP address of the sender. Um, another, another aspect is uh, fingerprinting of wallets. So different wallets send slightly different types of transactions, like they might send a multi-sig or they might send it to some parameter. Or, so we're going to talk a bit more about those types of fingerprinting issue, which reduce the anonymity set, the anonymity set being the set of potential senders. And transaction censorship is uh, another problem. So now we're going to... Connect, so fungibility can be in, in a trade-off with scalability, but there are some situations where fungibility helps scalability. And so we, we've got this, these two different logos which we'll use to score different techniques as we go through the rest of the paper. And sometimes fungibility brings a large scalability improvement. And an interesting fact is that the reason that fungibility sometimes helps scalability is because fungibility is generally aiming to reduce information leakage. And reducing information leakage means there's less information, and so there's sometimes less information needs to go in a blockchain, so that's why. And conversely, if we have extremely high scalability in terms of the bandwidth and transaction throughput the network can support, that can also, in, you know, in the other direction, help uh, fungibility because we can use some of the types of fungibility that use more data like ring signatures and confidential transactions. Ring signatures. Um, so Monero. we talked about uh, address reuse. So um, that, that practice has reduced. Most modern wallets are using HD. HD has strong advantages. For <laughs> Stealth addresses. Yeah, man. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Back was like a secret Monero developer or something like that. Uh, because Satoshi wanted all these things. He wanted stealth addresses. He wanted ring signatures. Uh, and Bitcoin doesn't have these things. They don't have these things. And uh, maybe Adam Back is like a secret Monero guy. Who knows? That's why this guy asked the question. Is he a Monero maximalist? Even though he says in another video that he doesn't think society is ready for a full-on private digital currency. Uh, but who knows? Or backup. Clearly, this guy is absolutely brilliant. You do a one-off backup, and then you don't have the ongoing backup and risk losing funds. Um, another type of address privacy is a stealth address. It hasn't been so much used because it's difficult to um, f 
find payments to yourself, you basically have to scan the network. So essentially, you either have to be a full node or you have to uh, rely on a third-party service to scan the network for you. So, well, all right, thanks, Adam. Um, yeah, so cool. Very, very cool. Just some thoughts from him. And so this is, again, about fungibility with Andres Antonopoulos. And he did a Monero talk as well with Doug over on Monero Talk. And I haven't listened to that personally. I'm going to listen to that at some point. I'd like to hear his thoughts. Devil's advocates. Yes. And again, if you guys haven't subscribed to Monero Talk, you guys got to go do that like right now. Great, great content over there. Just about everything you can know about Monero, probably on that channel. And you might have received this question before. What, it, what could be the biggest um, danger to Bitcoin that can be thrown by, let's say, the banks or by international governments? Very good. That yes. Actually, maybe throw it off its original course of trying to be decentralized and just being you know, a force for the individual. And then I, I get that question quite often, so I can answer it very, very directly and very simply. Um, I think the the biggest weakness that Bitcoin has is that the base layer, the first layer blockchain, is insufficiently private. It does not have strong enough privacy anonymity guarantees. And what that means is if you're trying to build a currency on top of it, that threatens the currency's fungibility. Okay, so fungibility. What fungibility means is that in a system of money, it's important to not be able to distinguish between different units. Meaning, if I'm holding a thousand won bill, right? If I go to a store and I give it to a storekeeper and I say, here's a thousand won, give me something you can buy with a thousand won, probably something very small. They'll say, oh no, I, I don't like this one. Do you have any other thousand won bills? Not this one. But why? It's, I don't know. It's number ends in a three. I don't like those. I want one that doesn't end in a three. Do you have another thousand? They can't do that. In fact, it's illegal to do that, right? They have to accept that any thousand one bill is the same as any other thousand one bill. They can't say, oh, this one, I don't know, the corner's a bit creased, so I'm only going to give you 950 on that one, right? And if you had that kind of situation, you'd actually have a problem. <laughs> How do we know? Because it's happened. So in Roman times, when they had coins, I don't know if you've noticed, have you noticed that almost in every country, if you have a metal coin, it has little lines around the outside. Have you noticed that? Do you know why those are there? So they don't shave them. So back in the days when money was actually made of something valuable, like silver or gold, if you had a coin and the edge was smooth, then you could just shave off a bit of silver and gold and make it a tiny bit smaller and give it to someone, and then you keep the shavings. And if you do that with enough coins, eventually someone notices. They're like, why is this coin banana shaped? <laughs> it's like, is this part of the lunar cycle? Because this looks like a half moon. You know, <laughs> Where's the rest of the coin? Um, so what they started doing is they put those ridges around as an anti-theft device so that if you shave it, it's visible that you shave it. If you try to make the ridges again, because they're symmetrical, it's very obvious that you've cut new ridges into the coin. So that's why they have a little circular ridge around the edge, and that's why they have the little lines. So what happens in Roman times with silver coins is they started trading for different values depending on how badly they were shaved. So it's like having a thousand one bill and someone's saying, I'll give you 876 for that one. Uh, that one looks pretty good. I'll give you 923. Well, the problem is if money starts having a price, it stops working as money very well. 
if each piece of money has a different price, but not the one that's on it, but a slight discount depending on whether it's been tainted or shaved or something like that, you have a problem. And that's what fungibility is about. Um, you know, there's another funny situation that we have. I don't know if you've heard this statistic, but um, every single dollar bill you've ever touched has cocaine on it. It also has E. coli. You, yeah. Um, so, so every single dollar bill you touch has cocaine on it, a and the reason for that is because uh, there's this way of rolling off a, co a dollar bill and turning it into a straw and using it to ingest cocaine. So people, you know, <laughs> that kind of thing. Um, so that means that eventually you take this dollar bill, it touches the other dollar bills in your pocket, they get a bit of cocaine, and then you give it to someone and it touches their bill and they give, etc. And so everything has cocaine on it. Now this causes a bit of a problem because what if you had a test? And you could run a test, and they actually suggested doing this in the 80s, and they said, well, let's test the dollar bills, and if they have cocaine, we won't accept them. And then they realized this was a very bad idea, because it would cause chaos. Can you imagine if every shopkeeper had to have a little testing system, and they'd be like, oh, I'm sorry, this has too much cocaine on it, I won't take this one. But this one has just enough, I'll take this one. And so then what would happen is people would pay more for the ones that were clean and less for the ones that were dirty. And then you have a real problem because then the value of money can vary a lot. Not just 2% or 3%, but even 20%. Well, that's happening in Bitcoin today. You can actually buy Bitcoin that just came straight out of a fresh block, fresh from the oven, still smelling of hashes, and, <laughs> <laughs> and right from the Coinbase, right? They sell those at a higher price than Bitcoin that had touched other people's wallets. And the reason is that because you can trace Bitcoin from transaction to transaction to transaction, if you give Bitcoin to your exchange that you received from someone else, and that person received it from another person who received it from another person who stole it from MT Gox, your exchange is gonna go, uh, too dirty, no, thank you, and they'll shut down your account. And that's a problem. That's a big problem, because if you start doing that across all of the money circulation, you end up breaking money. It stops working as money. The whole point of money is that you have one universally recognizable, verifiable thing that has one price, right? It is the price, that's its purpose. And if it starts having different prices, it doesn't work. So fungibility is a big problem. So, um, and how does fungibility relate to privacy? They relate in a very simple way. Uh, if you have strong privacy, if uh, the money is anonymous, and if you can't trace where it's been before, then it becomes perfectly fungible. Then every unit is the same as every unit. You can't differentiate between them, and you can't have problems where the exchange will say, not this one, yes this one, or where they trade for different prices. And today we don't have perfect fungibility in Bitcoin. There is perfect fungibility in some other blockchains. <coughs> Uh, Privacy-focused ones like Zcash and Monero and many others that have come out since. Um, I would like to see privacy improvements in Bitcoin. And the reason I'd like to see them is because this is a very specific attack vector for governments. And what they can do is they can start circulating blacklists that say, any coin that has touched one of the following addresses is a bad Bitcoin. Oh yeah, oh yeah, we've talked a lot about that. And every single day that we move into this world that we are now living in, the more likely I think that's to happen. And I said in a previous video that that will be the first shot across the bow if they go after a political dissident and it is decided on the network, amongst the miners, amongst the government structure, that somebody has their coins tainted because they've been put on a particular government list which is politically inspired. And if that happens... I think 
the flight from these coins into coins like Monero is going to be antediluvian. It's going to be biblical. People are going to want to get out of these coins because they'll realize it can be turned into a malicious surveillance system that can be used against people. And that financial leverage can cause people to censor themselves. It can, can, it can cause people to be rather worried about how they act, what they say. And I think all this ties into the social credit score dilemma that we could be entering into that is already in place in China. So those are just some things to think about, ladies and gentlemen. And then make the exchanges block any transactions. And they will set a limit. They'll say, if it's changed addresses less than six times since it's touched one of these, as they call that six hops, then you can't accept it. And that would cause very, very serious problems to Bitcoin. Of course, what it would also cause to Bitcoin is the immediate implementation of strong privacy and anonymity. Which is one of the ironic things that when you're working in a dynamic system, is that um, if you have a threat like that from government, if you have an attack like that from any government, the response that happens is that the organism, the system, evolves to develop defenses against that particular attack. And one of the reasons we don't have strong privacy today is because Bitcoin isn't being attacked enough. And this applies to all cryptocurrencies. If cryptocurrencies start getting attacked using privacy... But my question is, if Bitcoin starts to be attacked, why wouldn't people just sell their Bitcoin and go into Monero? Because one of the things that makes Bitcoin quote-unquote digital gold is that its protocol is stable. Uh, it, its protocol is something which doesn't really change. Now, if they start to change the protocol to be like Monero, why wouldn't people just sell their Bitcoin to go into Monero? Like, why would they go through the risk of having the airplane that they're riding in be re-engineered in the sky, basically, than just jumping out with a parachute called Monero? Uh, you know, that's just a question that I have. See, is the attack mechanism. Two things are going to happen. One, privacy will become very valuable, which means that any cryptocurrencies that do strong privacy immediately become much more valuable because everybody wants the private ones. Yep. And two, every cryptocurrency that doesn't have privacy, the very next release has privacy. Um, which but you'd have to do a hard fork. You'd have to do a hard fork. You'd have to change a lot of the fundamental structures of the coin because cryptocurrencies are either uh, all about tran uh, transparency or all about privacy on the base layer. Either it's a transparent coin and we call those surveillance coins, or they are a privacy coin, and we call those freedom coins. Or at least I do. I don't know if that's really picked up yet, but um, you'd have to do some serious work on these currencies, and why would you go through that risk? Why would you put up with that risk when you could just go into these already private cryptocurrencies, and if you're all about the gains, uh, and the gains are already locked in for these transparent currencies because people thought these were going to be safe, then why don't you go into something like Monero, which is likely to see a lot of activity and is likely to see a lot of inflows because people are interested in privacy and it's not that hard to really transition into these coins unless the government makes it difficult. Um, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't there be a huge flood into those coins? And I think you guys know what I'm trying to say. Probably is also why governments haven't tried to attack in that way because they actually like the fact that they can track these things, and they know that if they attack it in a very obvious way, they'll stop being able to track them because they will immediately get privacy. And that's a great point. That is a solid point by Andres, and that could be why they haven't come down upon these coins, is because they're really not that private, and I think a lot of these upgrades that they're doing as far as Schnorr and Taproot, they don't really make it all that private. They make it somewhat private. I think if you're using multi-sig addresses and you're using the Lightning Network, if I understand correctly, through my research, 
Uh, but ultimately, most of the transactions, which are going to be off Lightning, which are going to be off some of these uh, things, uh, I think that uh, they're going to be tracked. They're going to be easily traced. And at some point, you have to get off of these uh, networks that you're using, some of these side chains. If you want to get back into Bitcoin, you want to go into another cryptocurrency, or if you just want to sell the coin to an exchange, you have to at some point get off of these networks. You have to take your money out of custody and you're going to have to sell it. And that's going to be something which is on the chain and therefore it's going to be transparent and therefore you're going to have to put up with the regulatory requirements and you're going to have to pay the tax man if you want to make that move. And my whole thing is I'd rather just be in Monero so I don't have to deal with all that stuff. I mean, yes, you should still pay your taxes. You should still abide by the law. I never say you should otherwise, but um, those are just some thoughts that I have. Investors saying, wait a second, uh, where are those coins from? And I said, well, I mean, everybody knows... You can tell the time of creation, but you can't tell location of creation because currently 60% of coins mined in Bitcoin come from China. And we talked about Kevin O'Leary yesterday. He actually started to get into Bitcoin because he was like, oh, well, uh, the gains are massive, Peter Schiff. He's talking to Peter Schiff on Twitter. He's just like, Peter, get over gold. The masses are the, the gains are massive in Bitcoin. That's why I'm in it. It's not about the freedom. It's not about whatever. It's just like, oh, it's going up. It's going up significantly. So, uh, yeah, that's why we're in. Get with the program. All right. Where they don't care about but he makes a good point here. Check this out. Certainly have uh, you know issues around human rights, and so there are many institutional uh, clients that do not want to own so-called blood coins in China, and as a result, we've got a really interesting situation emerging um, that you know the actual provenance of a coin over time, one that's mined sustainably, one that's mined in a, in a jurisdiction that that you know supports human rights and everything else, the ethics committee's approval could be worth more than than a, just a generic coin that can't prove its provenance. And I'm not sure when that's going to happen, but I have certainly uh, shifted my uh, holdings. I don't own random, uh, you know, ETFs with blood coin in them. I know the provenance of where my 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 wallet uh, coins were mined now, and that means I've had to take equity positions in my. Um, I yeah, so that's crazy, right? That's crazy. So it's not like these coins are going to be mined on any kind of uh, scaled network or on any kind of private network on Bitcoin. They're going to be mined on the base layer. And if they're mined in a bad way, they could come out of the quote-unquote mine uh, in a way where they're already tainted. Think about that. And so that creates some issues, especially as we move more into this uh, quote-unquote green world where this kind of stuff is very important to people. So just some more things to think about. But I, I like that talk. And here's Andreas talking about Monero. Let's talk a bit about Monero. I've been reading about and I've been interested in Monero for years now. And I use Monero and I accept Monero. Um, Monero is a privacy cryptocurrency. And the advantages that it has is that it has adopted a number of pretty strong, pretty effective privacy technologies. Monero is a very active project in terms of development and its privacy is continuously enhanced. Monero has very strong privacy compared to Bitcoin. Uh, in fact, probably some of the strongest privacy characteristics in the entire cryptocurrency space. And that's why it's often the preferred currency for private transactions. Not everyone who uses Monero, of course, is using it for illicit purposes. Not everybody's using it for lawful purposes. There is a mix, I assume, but we can't know. 
But there's very good reasons why um, people would want to use privacy in a system like Fast. So there's a couple of ways you can get involved. You can download a Monero wallet to your desktop and use it with a hardware wallet. Um, you can also download a software wallet to your mobile device. I think my favorite is probably Monerujo. Do any of you guys use Cake Wallet? Just a quick question. I've heard many great things about Cake Wallet. I'm curious if you guys know anything about that. Try it out and see what you can learn. So Andreas is awesome. Uh, I listen to him a lot. I get a lot of value from him. So those are some thoughts from him. I think he's secretly deep into Monero, or at least I'd like to think that. Uh, but, you know, Bitcoin's the thing right now, so he talks a lot about that, and I get that. But again, guys, there's going to be a huge shift in Monero. It's just inevitable. It's just totally inevitable. Or another private currency if they can't fix this bug, which I think they will. And it's going to be stronger than ever. Let's be optimistic. So here's John McAfee, the OG, the legend. Uh, he did a pivot from Bitcoin because, remember, he said he would eat his banana on live TV if Bitcoin went to a million dollars. And then... Uh, or no, if it doesn't go to a million dollars, he would eat his banana. I don't think that ever happened. But uh, yeah, then he went to Monero. He had some awakening happen. And I think that was sometime in 2018 or 2019. And, uh, you know, it was sort of like me. I just had an awakening moment with Monero. Just a lot of things came together. And it's just like, whoa, this is going to be huge. And so I think he understands that now, too. Unfortunately, he is not going to live to see the day to uh, see that beautiful blossoming world that's going to occur as a result of this revolution. Uh, so God bless John McAfee. May he be in a wonderful place. May God be looking after his soul. Amen. Multiply it, whatever you choose. Um, this is a, <laughs> well, it's a defining moment in the evolution of the human mind, in my mind. Um, and the first application for the blockchain was cryptocurrency. And uh, cryptocurrency, the first application of cryptocurrency was Bitcoin, which uh, <laughs> has far, far outlived its life expectancy. I mean, almighty, it's 11 years old. Uh, it has no privacy. You can't put uh, smart contracts on that blockchain. You can't run distributed applications uh, for four years. Bitcoin was all that the people on the dark web accepted for payment. Now, the dark web, which is the criminal element <laughs> of the world, and criminals always are the first to accept new technologies. I mean, good God Almighty, when, when the telephone came out, who were the first uh, adopters? The mob. I mean, they had nationwide phone systems so that they could uh, coordinate nationwide criminal activity. So that that's a pretty key point. If the criminals are using something, they have a lot of incentive to bank on that technology working right. And the fact that they are willing to risk it all on that technology just goes to show how strong that technology is. Um, what about the, uh, the eight-cylinder automobile that came out in 1932? Uh, criminals, uh, gangsters bought it. Why? <laughs> you could escape the police because you were twice as fast as them. Nobody's catching in that. <laughs> I'm sorry? Nobody's catching you in the V8 back then. That's yeah, no, no. You've got a six-cylinder Buick. You're not going to catch it. <laughs> An eight-cylinder automobile. I'm sorry. It just doesn't happen. So... Bank robberies increased tenfold in the early 30s because criminals had the money. The police departments didn't. They had to run their cars till they were not not running anymore. No, the gangsters got the latest cars. They got the latest phones. Now they're getting the latest cryptocurrency. What is the latest cryptocurrency? It's Monero. Everybody fucking knows this. People, nobody. Yeah, and we just did a video on this yesterday where uh, 
a particular darknet marketplace starting back up after having been shut down for a few years, and they're only accepting Monero. No Bitcoin, none of that, just Monero. Accepts Bitcoin anymore. What was the value of Bitcoin? The value was its use as a usable cryptocurrency. And for four years, everybody in the dark web used Bitcoin. Why? Infinitely superior to credit cards, which could be traced to a bank account. Uh, now, nobody in the fucking world accepts Bitcoin people. I'm sorry, I wish they did, but they don't. What do they accept? Monero, the, the, the world's most private privacy coin. Because if, if you send me $100 worth of Bitcoin, or I send you the same, forever after, each of us can look in our wallets and see how much do we have, what comes in, and from whom, what goes out, and to whom. Now, if a, if a plumber came to your house and fixed a leaky sink, you wrote them a check for $20 and they went to your bank and said, hi, you know, <laughs> I have, I have a, a, a check from John McAfee for $20. Can you tell me how much money he has? And the bank goes, oh, absolutely. He's got X amount. And he goes, good. Can you please tell me what his last 20 deposits were and who they were from? The bank goes, absolutely, no fucking problem. <laughs> and you go, and now, Mr. Bank, from forever after, every time something comes into or leaves Mr. McAfee's account, would you please notify me? And the bank goes, sure, absolutely. That, my friends, is what Bitcoin is. Please, John, God. What, do you, what do you think, though, about, I mean, Monero's great for private transactions and stuff, but people just trust Bitcoin. It's 200 times larger than Monero. So how do you think? It's not larger than Monero. It's not, it's, it's nothing. You're talking about the fucking market. The market is created, monitored, uh, and maintained by people who know nothing about cryptocurrency, my friend. They're institutional fucking investors. Right, and they just care about the gains and everything like that, uh, which is why we're so ahead of the curve, guys. Like, we understand the tech. We understand where we are at as far as socio-political stuff goes, as far as uh, the technocratic revolution is concerned. And just the use cases for Monero right now is just so huge, ladies and gentlemen. And so it, this is an exciting time to be alive. This is an exciting time to be into something like this because this technology is going to change the world. And he saw that back in 2020, well before I did. And a lot of you have probably seen this coming for way longer before I was too. But that awakening experience, I'm going through that right now. And it's just so exciting. No, Monero is the only goddamn currency that's used. Nobody uses Bitcoin. People trade Bitcoin, but you and I and everybody knows that eventually people are going to catch up and, and catch on and go, oh, fuck me. Bitcoin's worthless. It is worthless. You know it's worthless. Please, God, what is the worth of cryptocurrency? The use of it. So Monero. So Monero is going to overtake Bitcoin. That's what you think? Like long term? Or do you think? Of course it is. Of course it is. Please, God, let's wake up people. Why was Bitcoin eventually worth as much as it was originally? Because it was used as a fucking currency. Nobody will use Bitcoin anymore. It's old, clunky, slow, expensive, with zero privacy. Nobody uses it. It's a piece of shit that the world has not understood yet. So, John, just to play devil's advocate, because I, I want to I hear your thoughts on this. I mean, there's a lot of ways that they're adding, they're trying to add more privacy features to Bitcoin, right? <laughs> Are you shitting me? Are you shitting me? Yes. Like, there's a lot, there's a lot you can add to a Model T Ford to make it a fucking space rocket. Good God, wake up, my friend. <laughs> no, it's stupid. Fucking, st please, please, God. You, you look like a, a man with a brain. You know better than this. You fucking yeah, just, know better. 
John, I, I agree with you on, on the need for privacy. I just, I mean, it's just not a reality. Not just privacy. Not right just now. privacy. Show me how the fuck you put a smart contract on the Bitcoin blockchain. Impossible. Well, what oh, yeah, use is a goddamn blockchain without a smart contract? Everybody has a smart contract except Bitcoin. What about a distributed oh, no, application? Yeah, you can't put. Uh, Darrow has smart contracts, by the way, and it's private. Which is awesome. Check out Daryl. You can't put depths on a please God, please wait the fuck up. If you actually believe Bitcoin is worth more than five cents, then please explain that to me. So so John, where is the money gonna flow though? I mean, why why are people buying Bitcoin today if it's not Because they're stupid, they don't understand the blockchain. That's why they don't understand cryptocurrency. That's why. (laughs) Please wake up, people. Please God. So John, let's talk about your new your new token, Ghost. You guys have a lot of, I mean, this is really well thought out. You have a full white paper on it, all the privacy features you're going to be adding to it. You know, how is this going? Is this live? Is this being released right now? What's what's the status of Ghost? It's uh, being, well, the main. So he's talking about Ghost now, which is a currency he came out with. I don't know too much about it. I think that the only place you can get it really is Tradeover. Um and it's a way that you could get involved in DeFi, I want to say, privately. Which, by the way, whoa, the secret bridge for Monero is out. And that's going to be like a way that you could get into DeFi on a private level using Monero. So check that out. I don't know the deeds of that yet. I would have to look into that. I'll make a video when I know more. That is, uh, you think that you, <laughs> that people are, <laughs> people want a coin in which every fucking transaction that you made is visible to the entire fucking world? <laughs> what insanity is this? Please, God. I mean, it makes no sense. So, so every transaction you make, what balance you have in your fucking wallet. Every- and guys, we looked into some of this. Uh, there is somebody by, well, we know his name. We're not going to say it again because I don't want to like out this guy and have everybody know how much money he has. But we just, you know, he had his wallet on his website we took his wallet address, we put it into one of these websites that you can look up. Everything that John McAfee is talking about, his transaction history, his account balance. He had received like $50 million of Bitcoin in donations over the last 10 years. $50 million. And that's all public. Everyone can see it. You can look at other people's addresses too. And you know maybe he's got a list somewhere of uh, you know people who have said, hey, I just donated to you, or maybe they were donations or payments to that wallet uh, for membership, and when you subscribe for membership, you have to put your email address and your name, and so uh, just there's so much data there. There's so much identification going on there, and to believe that everybody wants that to be the case is crazy to me. I don't think a lot of people even know that Bitcoin isn't anonymous, which is why they sort of like hand wave off a lot of this regulation. I see some of these comments on Twitter and people are like, ah, they can't stop Bitcoin. They they, they can't have any uh, regulation on this stuff, which is totally private. Who do they think they are? It's going to be like, catch me if you can, except they're actually going to catch you, ladies and gentlemen, because it is on the blockchain and is there forever. We went into this in one of our videos where somebody by the name of Bitcoin Fog was operating a Bitcoin mixer on the internet and... They went through 10 years of blockchain data, 10 years, and they were able to link some things together. They were able to figure out uh, a stream of payments, which were going to a particular hosting site, which were uh, w- who were hosting his website for the Bitcoin Mixer, and they found him, and they arrested him. So 
if you can arrest a guy on the dark net by the name of Bitcoin Fog, excuse me, they'll catch it. All right. And so people will wake up to this. People understand this is not cool. And I think they'll get into Monero and other private cryptocurrencies. Everywhere you send money, let's say if you and I exchange $5 worth of Bitcoin, from now on, if you send $400,000 to an, a Bitcoin address in England, which everybody knows what the addresses are, that's really the uh, uh, Rolls Royce of London, I'm going to go, hey, which Rolls Royce did you buy? Please, God, wake up, people. It's a worthless fucking piece of shit. We all know it. We so, John, when do, when do people realize it, though? I mean, when, so let, I don't let's give say a shit right. when they realize. It's not my problem. Yeah, yeah. So, same stance here on this channel. That's why we never do price predictions, because who cares? It's going to happen. It's going to happen at some point. Now, if it doesn't happen, then we're going to be living in a society, and sorry, you're going to miss out on some gains. But it's not about the gains, people. It's about true money. It's about privacy, and it's about having freedom in our world. I don't give a shit. All I'm doing is understanding what about? does have value. No, who cares? Who cares? Here's the problem with the cryptocurrency world. People are using it as a way to make money by exchanging. So ahead of his time, dude. So ahead of his time. So ahead of the curve, John McAfee. And the stupidity of that cryptocurrency is the golden fucking key to unlock your cage of financial slavery, people. Yes. And you're using it to scratch your fucking asses by, by exchanging it on exchanges. It's, cryptocurrency is not a goddamn market, people. It's a reality. It's so, a fucking reality. Monero is the, the, the only, well, and DAI. Monero and DAI are the only realities in cryptocurrency. The rest is fucking garbage, people. You guys are... Ah, there's some other good projects. I mean, some of these other public blockchains have real cryptographic uses in the world, which make a lot of uh, data storage better. Uh, Cardano is working on a project in Ethiopia to uh, secure information regarding grading uh records is or something like that uh, they're making a lot of deals in africa as far as just information storage transfer and development which i think is fantastic it doesn't really have much to do with finance um and so pu some public blockchains have a lot of real use cases which is great uh some dApps can be built which is fantastic but uh as far as finance is concerned you want a fungible private currency or trying to make money off of it oh fuck you you can't fuck you so, so John, the, I guess what you're saying is that the exchanging, the storing value, that's all whatever. The real value is in changing the way people interact, communicate, stuff like that on a global basis. So all the financial, like the DeFi stuff is kind of useless. Is that, is that what you're saying? What I'm saying is that cryptocurrency is a goddamn currency. Crypto currency. Those who use it as currency will create the value for that currency, which is why Monero is now worth a thousand times more than Bitcoin, even though the markets don't represent it. I don't give a shit. In five years, it will represent it because people are smart enough. No, the the value of any cryptocurrency is what is its use. DAI, what's its use? Never varies more than. So the whole digital gold thing, it's a cope. It's a way of saying, oh well, we can't really use it, but because everyone believes that you can use it, we're just going to say it's digital gold. And if we get other people to think it's digital gold, then we could get everybody to think that it has value for doing nothing. And that's not what cryptocurrency is supposed to be. If you want something which is like digital gold, you know what you could buy? Real gold, ladies and gentlemen. Real gold. It's not, There's nothing wrong with real gold. Everyone hates on Peter Schiff. I don't know why. Like, there, there's nothing wrong with gold. Having a gold necklace, having a gold ring.
These things are fantastic. Gold mining stocks are absolutely making a lot of money right now. There's nothing wrong investing with them. You get a good dividend, and you have a lot of returns coming <clears throat> coming in the future when the paper derivatives market breaks. Uh, just, I, I, we have to get this information out there. We have to get people to understand this stuff. John McAfee, holy moly, so ahead of the curve. 1% from the U.S. dollar. Well, not just DI. You can pick, you can pick stable coins based on anything, diamonds, the euro, a basket of currencies. I haven't seen one about the length of anybody's dick yet, but I expect them to. No, these are. <laughs> yeah, we've seen some crazy cryptos, haven't we? Uh, you know, cummy rockets and, uh, you know, hub coin. You got some crazy stuff out there. Stable fucking coins. You have Dogecoin, which is worthless, which went up to $80 billion a coin. Think about that, ladies and gentlemen. $80 billion for Dogecoin. That's. That makes this worthless currency worth more than SpaceX. <laughs> and so the valuations in the cryptocurrency market, it doesn't bother me. The gains don't bother me. We are in the right positions. We understand the fundamentals of our position, which is why we can sleep well at night. A lot of these other people in these cryptocurrencies, which are ultimately bubbles in many cases, uh, you know, is it worth losing sleep over? Is it worth losing sleep over? If you get gains, way to go. That's awesome. Cash it out and get into Monero or get into gold, silver, whatever. Not financial advice, but that's what I would do. DAI never has varied more than 1%. So that's valuable. Not as an investment who fucking wants to invest in something that never goes up or down. No. They don't care about privacy. So what's going to happen to them? How do they get involved? They're going to lose all their money. <laughs> if you think Bitcoin is a store <laughs> of value, are you fucking kidding me, people? I, mean, is, well, is I, I just want to play this again because we not. talk about this so much and – it's kind of nice to find somebody else who gets it. it. It makes you feel nice inside and warm. So let's just listen to this again. Something that goes up or down. No, as a fucking usable instrument of fucking exchange. So you don't have to get out into dollars anymore or euros or pounds or Japanese yen. And stable coins, stable coins are great. I'd look into Haven. They're doing private stable coins. Um, look into it first. Look into it. They just had a problem. So I'm not here advocating for it. There are some... Things you got to look into, but if they succeed in this private stable coin idea that they have, and it's somewhat of a complex system, we'll go into it another time, but um, that's going to be huge. That's going to be massive because the first thing that the governments are going to go after are stable coins like Tether, uh, like DAI, like he was talking about here, uh, US dollar coin, and some of these other stable coins. They're going to go after those because those pose a threat to the, uh, the central bank digital currency more than any other cryptocurrency because they actually have the same value, is it? intrinsically uh and so yeah they're going to go after those and if you want exposure to a private cryptocurrency which is actually private which can't be seen which in that way can't really be regulated the same way you could probably get away with more stuff i'm not saying you should abide by the law but a lot of flows are going to go into that a lot of flows are going to go into haven so that might be something to look into yeah you're not out of crypto it'll stay there absolutely without changing value for fucking ever when you're ready to get into another currency, do so. Do you understand? So, John, for the what about what about for the giants though? Like, I mean, like the, you know, the asset management billions of dollars. They want just the giants of the space, the banks. They want asset. They want exposure to Bitcoin because they want to search for yield. They want uncorrelated asset. They don't care about privacy. So, what, what's going to happen to them? How do they get involved? Well, they're going to lose all their money. <laughs> if you think Bitcoin is a store <laughs> of value, are you fucking kidding me, people? I mean, is is the air a store of value? Is the garbage <laughs> dump a store? Please, people, wake the fuck up. There's no store of value in cryptocurrency. There's just utility. 
It's always been utility. For four years, Bitcoin was utility. But John Yeah, so cryptocurrency at the end of the day is an accounting ledger. That's what it is. And it's a way to determine who owes who what. And that's what monetary systems are. It's a way of determining uh, how much society owes somebody for what they've contributed to that society and vice versa, right? And so the ledger in and of itself doesn't really have, only has value to that extent. But if I'm going to have exposure to a ledger, I want that ledger to be fluid. I want that ledger to be something which has a lot of activity taking place in it. That is to say that the underlying currency, the unit of value which defines all the numbers in the ledger, I want that to have cheap transaction fees. I want it to be something which is liquid. I want it to be something which is actually fungible, where all the numbers on the ledger are based upon units of value which are equal to each other, which is fundamentally what fungibility is all about. Because if you have a ledger which has units of value representing the numbers on the ledger, and the units of value have different uh, valuations to each other, that, that screws up the ledger. That makes the ledger very complicated to understand. And so for simplicity's sake, and just for base efficiency, you need a fungible currency like Monero. Why can't utility be a store of value? Why can't my utility be it a is, store It is. It is a store of value, but there's no utility to Bitcoin. Do you understand? What utility? Go on the dark web, find a single fucking vendor they won't accept Bitcoin anymore. Nobody, 100% is Monero. Do you understand? So just like everybody in the very beginning on the dark web was Bitcoin, nobody accepted the credit cards. Now nobody accepts Bitcoin. Everybody accepts Monero. The world changes. People wake the fuck up. So John, going back to the privacy idea, you're launching Ghost, which is a privacy-focused token. You have a So I think we get John's perspective on that. So I want to finish up with Roger Ver. We've got some interesting things to address here. Roger Ver, he uh, defected from Bitcoin back during the whole Civil War period, where you had uh, Bitcoin split into Bitcoin Cash, into Bitcoin SV. I think there are some other Bitcoins too, like Bitcoin Diamond, Bitcoin Gold. And I'm not sure what's up with those currencies, probably surveillance coins and have weird differences, which don't really matter. But um, yeah, he, he's a Bitcoin Cash guy. Bitcoin Cash, I think it probably has more utility than Bitcoin. Um, it doesn't really have a lightning network element, which makes Bitcoin a little bit better, admittedly. But uh, he's big on Bitcoin Cash. It hasn't really hasn't really caught on. Uh, but let's see what he thinks about Monero. Uh, and so I, I like every privacy coin. In fact, that's one of the reasons I like Bitcoin Cash, because it can be a privacy coin. But uh, a lot of We still have to look into that privacy element. There's something called Cash Shuffler. In regards to Bitcoin Cash, if you know a little bit about that, please leave a comment and educate me as to what you know about that. Like, oh, Monero is so much better. And like, I like Monero. I've had Monero since it was around a dollar each. Um, Based. Oh my gosh, a dollar each. Whoa. But I'm not as super excited about Monero because of what we just saw happen in the last week or so. We saw a bunch of different uh, exchanges around the world delist the different privacy. Yeah, who cares? That means it works. Coins, And uh, I think that's a really big issue. And of course, I, philosophically, I disagree with the fact that governments are pressuring exchanges around the world not to list privacy I, coins. I don't know why this matters. I mean, we're going to be coming out with Havano. I think that's how you say it, which is decentralized private exchange for which Monero is going to be the base currency used. It's going to be a fork of BISC. And uh, you're going to be able to peer-to-peer -peer transact uh, with anybody in the world using this stuff. And you're not going to 
need to be on any KYC exchanges to use it. You're going to be able to get fiat. You're going to be able to get whatever cryptocurrency that you want, given that people are on their trading. And I think a lot of people are going to be on their trading because they're going to want to be there too, instead of having exposure to these KYC exchanges, which are becoming ever more regulated by the day, which are working with ever more blockchain analytics firms by the day to track and trace everybody who takes coins on and off there. So uh, yeah, this doesn't really seem to be a problem to me. I mean, as Andres Antonopoulos was saying earlier, uh, the community adapts. And so that's what we're going to see with Monero, because Monero has the best fundamentals. Uh, it has the most capacity to adapt to a number of different attack vectors. So those are some comments that I have about that. Uh, we already saw a long time ago in, in Korea and Japan, they delisted all the Although it would be nice if people had easy access to Monero. I, I will say that. The privacy coins uh, out there, uh, it's a really, really big setback for a coin not to be able to be traded on any exchange in any country or any of these uh, desks that do options trading. You can't trade. Like I've been wanting to sell a bunch of puts on Monero for a year or so, and there's no desk that can do it. They're all scared to do it because of the regulatory environment. And that's that's sad for Monero because Monero is awesome. Zcash is awesome. But the fact that they're not able to get traction on certain exchanges because they have such great. So it's not good for quick games. It makes the adaptability curve a little bit more like this instead of like this, which has been the case for a lot of cryptocurrencies. It's been more like this instead of like this, which is probably going to be the case for Monero. It's going to take a while to adapt because of that, but that's okay. We have patience. Privacy baked right into the protocol. Uh, that's sad for those coins. Whereas Bitcoin Cash has something called Cash Fusion, where you can shuffle up your Bitcoin Cash with a bunch of other Bitcoin Cash and with a bunch of different inputs and outputs, and it actually works out to there's more potential ways to shuffle your Bitcoin Cash uh, with others than there are atoms in the entire universe. We can give Bitcoin Cash really, really strong privacy characteristics, but it's not baked into the actual protocol of the coin itself. Uh, Bitcoin Cash... Yeah, that's a problem. The protocol level is every bit as transparent as Bitcoin. Why do you think the government's not fighting back against Bitcoin so much? Is because... Uh, they can spy on everything that everybody's doing there, and there's not much in the way of privacy tools available for people that want to use Bitcoin. Uh, and the ones that used to be around got priced out because of the high fees on Bitcoin that were created by design. So so that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm excited about Bitcoin Cash and the privacy there. But one other one that affects Monero the worst is uh, you don't know, right? Like Monero's awesome. It's being used in all sorts of dark net markets. Lots of people around the world are holding some Monero, including myself. Why is the price so low on Monero? Why is the market cap so low for such an awesome coin? Well. Well, we love it, don't we? <laughs> that means we can just keep more and more and more and more. Like, who cares? We don't know. Maybe it's because not enough people have realized how awesome it is yet, or... That's the case. And more concerningly, maybe it's because there's an inflation bug. Uh, we're pretty confident that it's not the case. We're going to get into that here in a sec. And so Monero, maybe somebody found an exploit out there like they found with Bitcoin in the past. Uh but he did just say that he got into Monero at a dollar. At what point did they figure out about this... Hack. Now let's see. This was January 13th. Coin market cap Monero. Do, 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 do. Let's see what it was at. Yeah, I mean, Monero is trading in a range. That's fine. We're not really too worried about that. So in January of 2020, when he made the video, ah, uh, well, it was at $60 and now it's at $270. So, I mean, it hasn't got up as much according to relative to Bitcoin. That's fine. Yeah, it, it, very much a divergent correlation here. Bitcoin is currently worth a lot more. We don't really care. That's just more money, which is going to inevitably, inevitably move into Monero. So we're not too upset about that. But yeah, the price has gone up a lot since he's made that comment. Uh, and other coins. 
uh, maybe there's an inflation bug where somebody out there can go and print more Monero and nobody knows about it. And they can just, rather than printing a bunch all at once and driving the price to zero, they've been printing some every single month and selling it into the market and they just plan to do this slowly, you know, month after month, year after year, and you know, they'll have a huge amount of money and there's not a way to audit the total supply uh, of Monero. And uh, if I'm- Yeah, that is, and he does hedge. Wrong or mistaken on that, someone please point it out to me, but the last- And somebody did point it out, somebody here. This is a response from a Monero mod on Reddit. And he's disappointed to see this kind of misinformation being spread by Roger. Evidently, delistings reduce accessibility and liquidity and thus are somewhat detrimental to the ecosystem. Yes, it prevents adoption from occurring. That being said, delistings are also a testament to Monero's excellent privacy guarantees, which is great. Additionally, plenty of exchanges have listed Monero in the past year or so. Yeah, Qcoin has it. Uh, Trade Ogre has it. FTX has it, which is fantastic. And it's a futures exchange, so I imagine you can short against it over there. But don't get me on that. I've never been on FTX. Bit to me. Uh, and yeah. And Perkins Coie, a law firm, I want to say, has shown that Monero is congruent with existing compliance and regulation standards. So that's fantastic. Talking more about delistings. Monero is not unauditable. We'll get to that here in a sec. This misconception has been fairly salient. I'll, I'd recommend anyone to watch Fluffy Pony's representation on the subject. Now, I watched that, and I came out of that a little bit more confused, actually, than I went into it. He's pretty technical with all that stuff. And, yeah, I understood it a little better, actually. I'm kind of joking around. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm just not familiar enough with a lot of vocab. I, I maybe need to take a 101 class on computer technology or something. But, yeah, uh, this is something that made a little more sense to me. Maybe it'll make a little bit more sense to you. This is called a Peterson commitment. This is something which uh, is a cryptographic algorithm that allows the prover to commit to a certain value without revealing it or being able to change it. So this is implemented on the Monero protocol. And this basically allows it well, I'll just read it here. I mean, this could explain it better than I can. When you spend Monero, the value of the inputs that you are spending and the value of the outputs you are sending are encrypted and opaque to everybody except the recipient of each of those outputs. Peterson Commitments allows you to send Monero without revealing the value of the transactions. Peterson Commitments also make it possible for people to verify that transactions on the blockchain are valid and not creating Monero out of thin air. So what, what it means, as long as the encrypted output amounts created, which include an output for the recipient and a change output back to the sender, and the unencrypted transaction fee is equal to the sum of the inputs that are being sent, it is a legitimate transaction and can be confirmed to not be creating Monero out of thin air. Peterson commitments mean that the sums can be verified as being equal, but the Monero value of each of the sums and the Monero value of the inputs and outputs individually are undeterminable. So it stays private, but you can be darn sure that because of the mathematical uh, symmetry involved in these commitments, it, the value is being congruent and equal in that transaction. There's no extra, you know, fractional reserve based inflation happening um, as a result of the transaction. Peterson commitments also mean that even the ratio of one input to another or one output to another is undeterminable. So a lot of it's private, but based on the mathematics of the Peterson commitments that encompasses the transaction, uh, 
there can't be inflation unless there's something wrong with the mathematics of the implemented commitment. As far as I understand, if I don't have that correct, please please correct me. It is unclear which inputs are really being spent as the ring signature lists both the real inputs being spent and the decoy inputs. Therefore, you don't actually know which input Peterson commitments need to be summed. That's okay because the ring CT... Uh, ring signature only has to prove that for one combination of the inputs, the outputs are equal to the sum of the inputs. For mathematical reasons, this is impossible to forge. Now, if you're a technical person, you can go see some more in-depth information in regards to that, but that has been pretty well addressed by the community. And so that is not an accurate statement that it can't be audited. So it can be audited even though it's private, which is fantastic. Last time I checked, there's no way to figure out what the total supply of Monero is out there uh, and if somebody found an inflation bug or not. And the same I think is true with, uh, with Zcash as well, I believe. And if I'm wrong, correct me, I want to learn something new. But that's one of the things that's really, really nice about Bitcoin Cash is the supply is completely auditable. Anybody can see exactly on the blockchain how many uh, uh, Bitcoin Cash tokens are outstanding out there. Yet you still have fantastic things like Cash Fusion that you can go and grab from cashfusion.org and use it right now today. My wallet's been busy shuffling up a whole bunch of Bitcoin Cash uh, all day, every day. And again, it's really a fantastic tool. So I guess that's the reason why I'm more excited about Bitcoin Cash than a Monero or Zcash or some of these other privacy coins. It's not because the privacy on those coins isn't awesome and isn't a fantastic tool. It's because the regulatory pressure from governments for exchanges not to list them in wallets, not to integrate them, and, and, and for basically people not to adopt them as money. And so I kind of think it's better to have the privacy tools. But that's what makes it money. So that's why I'm confused. I mean, Roger's a very smart guy. He's an Austrian economist. You would think he would understand that if it's not private on the base layer, it can't be fungible. It can't, therefore, be money. So I'm unsure why he would want cryptocurrency to be adopted by everybody if it's not actually real money. I mean, it's certainly, look, Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, I think, are better alternatives to these crazy, insane central banks, which can literally just counterfeit trillions of dollars. Like, There's no argument for me about that. Absolutely. But... Uh, why sell out and grant ground to those same institutions and even further have them co-op these projects? Uh, let's just go all the way, ladies and gentlemen. Let's just get it. Be a layer above the base layer of the protocol. Um, and, and that way you can tell the you can look the politicians right in the eye. Say, nope, Bitcoin Cash is completely audible. Every Why do we have to comply with the desires of politicians who just continually screw us over? Like, yes, follow the law, but look... Monero is legal. Why do we have to dance around these people and try to acquiesce to their every whim? I, I just don't understand. It's like, do you guys understand what I'm saying? I, I don't know why. It just seems baited to me. Single transactions, completely public on-chain. You know how much Bitcoin Cash went from what address to what address. It's, but you don't necessarily know, you know who those addresses belong to. Whereas on Monero, we're already seeing the crackdown happen. So, uh, I mean... I guess this so what? So is what? a message to both the Monero community, the Bitcoin Cash community, and the crypto community uh, as a whole. Yeah, it would be nice if the, all the different cryptocurrencies could have as much privacy baked right into the protocol as possible. But the, the, the practical matter is that the politicians are going to interject themselves into that and use threats of violence to not let exchanges uh, trade those coins. Practically, ladies and gentlemen, if enough of us use Monero, they can't stop us from using it. Practically, if... The cat is out of the bag, it's out of the bag, and it ain't going back in. Same thing if the genie gets out of the bottle, it ain't going back in. 
genie's out of the bottle. It ain't going back in. There are enough people using Monero to where as slow as the network effect is right now, and as much as it could be dampened down, this thing's going to grow. This is just Darwinian evolution here now happening because Monero is more efficient than Bitcoin. Therefore, it's just it's a matter of time before it takes over. It's actually money. It's a stronger, more secure protocol than Bitcoin. Therefore, all of these things being considered, it's only a matter of time before it takes over. Now, they could try to squelch it out. They could try to choke the breath out of it. But this community is so committed to this project, I don't think they'll ever be able to successfully do that. And when enough people figure out about this stuff, people are going to become as passionate about it as I am, as John McAfee, and as some of these other great people in the community, that it can't be stopped. It will not be stopped. Because the importance of this cannot be understated, ladies and gentlemen. Like, Monero has to take over. It just does. Either that or some other private cryptocurrency. We need digital, fungible money. It just has to happen. And if it doesn't happen, then that that's not the optimal world. That's that's a world that is missing something truly beautiful. So, and that's that's a shame. But that's the world we live in. And uh, I think we'll have a better amount of success in bringing more peer-to-peer -peer electronic cash and economic freedom to the world with a, a coin like. And I respect Roger Vera's practicality. He's a very smart guy. I have a lot of respect for him. I hope I can interview him here on the channel. But uh, like, let's have a big vision, guys. Let's. Uh, uh, and he did certainly more than I think any of us here watching for cryptocurrency and the Bitcoin community and the movement and everything like that. So look, bowing down to Roger, he's a he's a great guy. But let's let's get that vision back. Let's get that spirit back. Let's get that like 2013 Bitcoin vigor back in the picture and apply that to Monero and have this really take over the world. Bitcoin Cash. Uh, and I'm, if something even better or more likely to bring that uh, economic freedom to the world comes along, I'll be right out here promoting that uh, tomorrow. So anyhow, if you like this message, share it with a friend, subscribe to the channel. Uh. Yeah, subscribe to Roger. I should subscribe to him. Good man. But uh, yeah, that's basically it for this video. I wanted to share with you guys some interesting perspectives from across the uh, pond here. I'm pretty tired. It's like 10 o'clock over here. I needed to get this other video out. And I just had a big Zaxby's meal, which is awesome. Dude, that signature chicken sandwich is just amazing. I can't even get the words out of my mouth. Need more sugar. But, uh, yeah, that is that is wonderful that we have so many people in the community, uh, not just our community, but the cryptocurrency community in general, who understand the value of fungibility, who understand the value of privacy. And I understand where they're coming from, where they want to have cryptocurrency be adopted in mass. And, you know, if people get on board with cryptocurrency, they get hyped about it, then it's only the next step that they get hyped about the next best cryptocurrency, which is Monero, which is private, which is fungible, which has many use cases, which is scalable. I mean, it's a really beautiful, beautiful invention. And uh, we should say many thank yous to the development teams and everybody who has worked on this project. They will be rewarded if they haven't been already. I mean, clearly some people got in pretty early. And I think uh, Fluffy Pony, what do you get in at? Like five cents, two cents to this stuff? So yeah, that's pretty awesome. But uh, the best is yet to come, ladies and gentlemen. The best is yet to come. Stick in there. I know that there are many other cryptocurrencies right now doing way better than Monero, but look, stay the course. I'm telling you, even if it takes a year or two years, it's going to happen. I'm telling you, as sure as I'm sitting here, it's going to happen. And uh, if we just stick with the program, if we just continue to have faith in this project, um, look, 
not only we will be rewarded, but everybody else will be rewarded too. And if we get the word out, they will benefit and we, we will live in a better world. I truly believe that. So that's all I have to say about this. Um, God bless. This is Manero Mateo. Uh, follow me on Gab. Follow me on Twitter. Same name, Manero Mateo. I got the links below. If you want to donate, uh, I've got a Monero, Darrow, and Pirate Chain address in the description as well. Follow me on Rumble. Follow me on Odyssey. Uh, post my stuff on there too. And more videos to come. Thanks for watching.